0: See, I like to keep things simple too, Mark. I'm not a techie, and I even tell people, I'm not going to put reports together. It's just too time-consuming. It's not my style. You tell me what you're looking for, I'll get you the
1: person. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm joined today by Sean Rigsby. Sean is the managing partner of Rigsby Search Group, founded in 2012 and recognized by Forbes as one of America's best recruiting firms. RSG specializes in the environmental industry and has made over 1,200 successful placements nationwide. Sean is a member of the Pinnacle Society and throughout his career has consistently been one of the top producing recruiters in the country. Sean also hosts his own podcast called Rigsby Search Radio. Sean, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Fantastic. Great to finally meet you. Nice to meet um, you as well, my friend. And we have a number of mutual connections. I think it was Joe Rice who was the one who recommended that I should interview you. Yeah, so Joe's thank great you to guy. Joe. Yeah, great guy. His, uh, I interviewed him and, and it was uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to interview a fellow podcaster. What motivated you just to start a podcast?
0: Well, it's it's it was actually my son uh, who actually works for me now. Uh, oh, cool. He, you know, uh, and you know, we were looking at ways of di- differentiating ourselves and kind of broadening our brand and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, you know, Dad, we 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 should try a podcast. And I'm like. Oh. And no, <laughs> I'm like, I got enough on my plate, you know? And, but then he was kind of talking about it. And then I was kind of like thinking, okay, you're bringing experts on yours. Um, and then also, we kind of kicked around some ideas. So bring some experts in my world, you know, whether it's individuals from the HR side, technical individuals who are senior managers I know. Um, I just interviewed a woman who I've known for like 20 plus years who, is an expert in her space focusing on due diligence and commercial real estate. And we had a great chat and so forth. And it's actually been, I've really, I've actually kind of grown to enjoy it. I mean, I'm just at the beginning. I think I've got maybe four under my belt right now. I'm paling in comparison to you, um, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, I try to do, I know you're doing a, a lot more content than I am. I'm, I'm trying to get interview one, two people a month, And right now the goal is, you know, post one a month right now. If we start getting more traction, you know, then maybe I'll increase that to two. I still work a desk and I'm building my, you know, and still, you know, working as a recruiter here. So, but I, I try to keep it kind of short and sweet for me right now. I might increase that, but right now the conversations are give or take about 20 minutes, you know, Mm um, My world, you know, environmental consultants kind of have to bill hours like a lawyer, you know, so, you know, they're billing hours constantly. Well, less recruiters are, you know, you know, got to be billable as well. And uh, so I try to be, you know, very conscious of that. And uh, so, yeah, no, I've had a lot of fun with it. And actually, I'm using Squadcast that you had recommended and I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for the suggestion there.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And look, I'd love to compare, continue comparing notes with you and, and learn from each other. I, um, I actually have an online course, which is only for my clients. It's called How to Start and Grow a Successful Podcast, but it's aimed at recruiters who want to, you know, um, use this as a form of thought leadership and as a, as a way of developing relationships with, you know, guests who could become clients or referral sources or, or, or candidates for that matter or what have you. So I'll, oh. I'll give you access to that, uh, Sean, as a thank you for coming on the, on oh, the show. Thank you. That's very kind of um, you. I really appreciate it. No worries. So it's cool that your son suggested it. And yeah. I think it's beneficial if you do have uh, diverse ages in your, in your team, because then you get different fresh ideas that yeah. you know, we might not have uh, thought of ourselves, which is, right. which is awesome. What was it that persuaded you that it might be a good idea though? Like what is the objective or the kind of benefit that you're trying to get out of it?
0: Um, I'm trying, you know, like most recruiters, I, I, think we want to kind of broaden our brand. Um, yep. you know, we, we try to get active on social media as well. And we do videos. I mean, we all, probably, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but it's like, if the, you know, I, uh, I I try to f- – I, I love following different people, reading. I love reading. And I heard – I got the idea from a guy named Grant Cardone. He's a sales trainer. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: I've read his uh, – at least 10X, one of his books. Yeah. Yeah, the 10X book. Oh, yeah, fact, I read I listened that. listened to the audio. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and I got, I got both. And one of the things he kind of talked mm. about, they can't do business with you if they don't know you. And mm. that kind of st- – you know, that kind of struck a chord with me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, how do we broaden our brand? And then I remember working, I worked with a guy, he's out of the industry now, but he's been very successful, a guy named Lincoln Tedeschi, who I used to work with at my former company. He spun off and started a, a company in his niche that's not recruiting, and he's been ultra successful. And one of the, I remember him saying, I want to be the Coca-Cola of recruiting in his niche. He had worked in insurance underwriting back then. And I'm like, damn, why can't I be that? You know? So, uh, you know, I want to be that in the environmental recruiting world, you know, and I'm, I'm nowhere there. <laughs> I'm just scratching the surface in my opinion, but you know, uh, you know, just, you got to keep on growing, keep on doing things, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's great. Um, great stuff, Sean. In fact, like I, I don't in any way, um, consider myself to have to be a thought leader, but it's something I'm striving for. And I thought that would be an interesting theme for us to discuss today is, you know, how do you broaden your brand, become the Coca-Cola of your niche and be perceived as a, as a thought leader, some, Mm -hmm. someone who, you know, is, is well-known and respected. And, and, um, so that, that might be interesting. Mm -hmm. What, um, aside from the podcast what else have you been doing to broaden your brand um, one thing we we did uh,
0: we started I think it was three or four years ago we started a salary survey um, and uh, I got that idea from a of a Pinnacle member, a former Pinnacle man, member by the name of Carl Wilkinson. And I, and uh, Cameron, who works for, um, Cameron Boyd, who you had interviewed at one point. Yes. Um, and I, Carl guy. is his boss. You know, uh, Carl is, is Cameron's boss. And oh, I remember we got, got, we got together, uh, you know, um, at a Pinnacle meeting, a New England Pinnacle meeting. We all got together at someone's house and we were kind of kicking around ideas. And I remember Carl talking about the salary survey and I was picking his Mm -hmm. brain and stuff. And then I kind of thought about it, you know, Hey, career builder, monster, Glassdoor, whatever, you know, there's the, they do. I think they, it's about giving back and giving content and all that. And I think they do great jobs and so forth, but they're so broad. These platforms. Yes. Um, They can't really focus on, you know, really focus in why, why are most successful recruiters, niche recruiters, because we focus, you know, we focus on niche. So I kind of thought about, you know, okay, let's do a salary survey and let's, and I spoke with, you know, I spoke with Carl and a couple of people on his team, how they, how they had it set up because I had no clue. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, I've copied a lot of the stuff I've, you know, I, you know, uh, from other people looking at other people who are successful. Okay, what the heck are you doing? And, you know, I'm doing the same with you listening to your podcast going, okay, what's Mark doing? So I can do a better job in what I'm doing. And then, uh, you know, so why reinvent the wheel? And then, Absolutely. And then Just it's on, like, the, on that, Sean, oh, please, um,
1: please. I'm a huge believer in, mentors and also modeling, Tony Robbins talks about modeling, like find someone who's already getting the result that you want and then figure out what are they doing? You know, what's their mindset? What's the technique? And then if you can replicate that, then you should be able to achieve similar results. And so I've always throughout my whole, whatever, I, I wasn't a super successful recruiter. I thought I was at the time, in the microcosm that I worked in and, you know, in, uh, Scotland. And then I went out into the world and realized I knew nothing, but, um, <laughs> but throughout my career, I have <laughs> always been very inquisitive and tried to learn from people who are getting amazing results. So, right. um, and, and interviewed them and said like, Hey, can I buy you lunch? Can I get you a coffee? I'd love to ask you some questions. And that has sort of continued. And, and, uh, Partly that led to this podcast because I realized I'm having really interesting conversations with fantastic people. Why don't I actually record those sure. and then share it with, you know, the, the, the world and benefit more, more people? So uh, I think we're of we the same mindset. Apologies, I interrupted your flow. You were talking about how you came up with this um, idea for the salary survey Yeah. So could you tell more about that? Like what, how you actually did it and, and, and what the benefit has been? Yeah, no.
0: So, you know, what we started doing is we all got together, um, you know, when we decided to do it, okay, what questions are most important to my audience? It's not, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking what questions are most important to me, but what you know, what is really most important to our audience and the audience are environmental consultants and the hiring authorities who work for environmental consultants. It, you know, I don't, there are environmental professionals that will work for corporate America like Pfizer or Merck and so forth. I don't work in that space. I really work for environmental engineering firms. So we started kind of thinking, okay, what's really important to those people? And we put together, you know, a, a lot of questions. Now, the other thing which we knew was important, I wanted to make it simple. If you make it too difficult, people aren't going to do it. And Mm -hmm. uh, So, you know, something okay, what would be like multiple choice? Okay, Mm -hmm. fill in here. We didn't want to necessarily, but we also wanted to make it easy so we can get the data as well and get it out in a timely manner. So, we had multiple choice and we had, you know, ranges for salary and Okay. Are you doing overtime? Do you work for a public or private sector company? Um, you know, what region are you in? Uh, what's your education? Uh, what's your role? You know, and 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 a, and a slew of other things. And you know, we uh, you know we we put that together. And We saw the mistakes we made with previous ones where you know we weren't getting a lot of traction. This year, we increased our our. Uh, response by 200%. Wow. You know, what was diff- we,
1: how did you do that?
0: Um, you know, um, we decided to give a little bit of a carrot. Uh, we offered four $100 Amazon gift cards, you know, if you registered um, and then we chose them randomly, you know, we used mm-hmm. a software that just, you know, chose the names randomly. Um, and, you know, I looked at it, you know, Hey, you know, people use Amazon all the time and, you know, that might be a nice little, you know, thing. And it, that worked. Uh, we cool. did we with our postings, we explained why it was good and how it was going to benefit them. And uh, and people really gravitated that. And we, we kind of had a, um, um, you know, we had a calendar on when we were dropping those links. So, it you know, so people would be able to see it and access it. Um, and now, and those were a few of the things that, uh, that worked out well. We've sent it to clients after the results. Mm -hmm. I've, we've gotten some search assignments from it. Um, clients ask me for it. Hey, is your survey done? You know, we want to be able to provide, you know, like you said, a thought leader and, you know, be able to be a resource. You know, I've always said, the more you give, the more you, you know, the more you'll get back, right. You know, and some people kind of forget that. And uh, and then obviously anyone who participated, we sent out sent it out to people right away, and it's right on our website as well. And I'll direct people to our website, and it's even on my auto signature. If people want to click on it,
1: oh, brilliant! That's such a great idea. So, how did you do the survey? Was it a Survey Monkey or a tool like that? It was something like that.
0: I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I'll have to get back to you on that. No problem. Uh, and I'll and I'll drop you an email. It might have been. Survey Monkey or Survey Gizmo, something along those lines, I believe. Okay, and then no obviously I was posting it fairly regularly on uh, LinkedIn um, mm-hmm. as well, um, yes. and you know just getting it out there and such. But yeah.
1: So what's really interesting, Sean, and I just want to make sure our listeners appreciate the the power of what you're suggesting because <clears throat> you've chosen now. The, a salary survey is something I would refer to as a lead magnet. So it's something that is a piece of content which has um, perceived value to your specific audience that you're giving away for free in exchange for someone's contact information. So they register or they you know opt in and then you send them the, uh, the report. And yep. the s- salary is something everybody is curious about, both candidates oh, sure. and clients, right? They want to know... How like how much am I making compared to my peers, and and likewise, companies want to know: are we underpaying, are we overpaying, and and so on. So there's a natural curiosity to that topic, and because you've made it very specific for your industry, this is probably insight that they really can't get anywhere else. You know, because a lot of the other surveys are more general, right? Um, so it is valuable. And the other cool thing is you've got some marketing benefit in actually doing the research, because when you're dropping those links, whether it's by email or on LinkedIn, or you're telling people about it, send your email signature, then promoting the survey itself and getting people to participate, that produces a number of touch points and exposes people to your brand. And then after you've produced the report, it gives you another thing you can then follow up and send to clients. Um, So, there's exactly. so many different touch points and so much value you can get just from one little piece of content like that.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no. It's uh, you know that's yeah, I've always kind of and I didn't I didn't grow up in sales. I you know before I got in into this, I believe it or not, I was in Connecticut the worst copier repair technician on the planet. You know, I was very, but I was also <laughs> kind of selling supplies and you know all that. I was doing sales and service, and I kind of fell into this after you know, being let go. But one of the things I was really good with clients and clients love me. And, you know, that's what kind of got me to this. And I, you know, was interviewing with a couple of search, for, you know, and then I, you know, someone I was interviewing and said, hey, you might be good at this. And, you know, and I like, okay, sure. And I, I never was in sales. Honest to God, I was, I was kind of scared to be honest with you. Um, you know, I was just fairly newly married, had a mortgage. I'm going, Oh my God. And you know, uh, how's this work? Blah, 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 you know? And, but yeah, I wanted to kind of just chime in where you were talking about mentors and taking people out to lunch when I got hired. I looked at, I, I was fortunate to work for a firm that had a lot of recruiters. They, they were at, in their prime. They had about 40 recruiters. And, <laughs> you know, when I started there, I was just kind of looking, okay, who are the ones that are the billers? You know, because I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And uh, And then I'm like, okay, just go hang out with them and just, try to pick their brain as, as much as possible. I didn't mean to kind of go sideways on you and so forth, but you had said something I, I thought was really important to, you know, that was really important. Is kind of, you know, uh, dear to my heart is just finding mentor, you know, finding mentors, Joe Rice, who you'd mentioned, I, I look at Joe as, as a mentor, he's done some incredible things and I've learned stuff from Joe as well as other people. <laughs>
1: Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I to- totally agree with that. So how long have you been doing the salary survey then, Sean? It's been four years. It's been four
0: years, the okay. survey I've been doing.
1: Great. Fantastic. And so it's like an annual thing or? Yeah, it's an annual thing. We will
0: start uh, at the start announcing that we're going to be doing it. Yeah. Q4. Uh, uh you know so usually around October November we start posting a few announcements coming soon the 2021 20, salary survey you know results will be getting out be on the lookout you know that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And All then right. we start
0: awesome. getting the survey out to people right in January.
1: And um how long do you are you in the By the way I'm I'm probing on this because no please several people in my in my coaching group are interested in salary service. A couple of people have done it already. Yeah. But the big question is always, well, how do you get really good data? And so I'm curious, like, how long you give it before you sort of say, okay, well, we've got enough to, that this is going to be a credible um, sample size and we've got enough we can sort of publish. And how many people do you need to feel like, yeah, that's good. We've got a good snapshot. Yeah, no,
0: great question. And I, you know, it's kind of depends on what kind of feedback we get. You know, if I'm not getting a little bit of feedback, I'll probably push it a little bit. So, like I said, I'll start doing the announcement, you know, like October, November. Mm -hmm. I'll probably send the first, you know, blast out December-ish. December is kind of a funny month, you know, hectic month anyway, with a lot of people with the holidays and everything. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, at least... You know, two, three times at different touch points, you know, maybe twice a week, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or once a week for the next three months. And okay. then obviously we're we have uh, templates, you know, that were, you know, for our email blast. And we use uh, we use uh, survey, you know, survey gizmo or monkey, one of those things. Um, mm-hmm. And it works really, really well. Um, right. And we'll change up the script, going hey you know, we're starting to get some great feedback, you know, and, you know, we have like three or four templates. We kind of step up kind of like a, like a drip campaign.
1: Great. I got it. All right. Awesome. That sounds really, that sounds really cool. So, um, so you've got your salary survey, you've got your podcast. Is there anything else that you're doing to really make sure you're the Coca-Cola in the, you know, environmental engineering space?
0: Um, one of the things we started doing uh, last year is interview tip of the day okay. um, where I'll make a video and I solicit, okay, what questions do you guys have and struggle with interviews? You know, I think when we all kind of grew up, you know, uh, work with a recruiter, they can kind of prepare you on the interview and, you know, and we know all the, all the things. So I'm like, most of us are in candidate short markets. I would think. I've never, you know, I really don't have a problem getting search assignments. Um, You know, we, uh, you know, we've been pretty fortunate that way. Um, But, you know, hey, we can, we always looking for great candidates. So going back to where I was saying giving back Mm -hmm. is we do interview tip of the day. And uh, so we'll, you know, take a question and I'll answer it you know, here's today's, you know, okay, are you, you know, are you a leader? You know, examples, you can talk about some of your leader, you know, your leadership, you know, skills. Okay. Uh, one question was, you know, were you fired and how to address it? You know, uh, how to answer a money question, you know, just as examples there and stuff. And it's a, no longer than two minutes. Um, and we'll post that. And, you know, we've sent it out to candidates as well. You know, some questions are, you know, some questions people like more than others and so forth. But, you know, we that's another example, you know, kind of like giving back. And uh, I'll just do a quick video. My other son, Josh, is a game design student. He's pretty, oh, cool. you know, pretty technical with a computer. So he'll clean it up for me and, you know, put a Uh, Some wallpaper in the front with you know the topic and all that that goes over my head to be honest
1: with you. uh, (laughs) Well, that's awesome that you've got. I'm just a
0: talking head.
1: (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, look, first of all, I love the concept. And how 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 frequently are you putting these videos out?
0: Well, I still got a bunch of videos. I got probably 20 videos sitting in the queue that haven't been published. And, uh, you know, once we publish it, we'll put it on our YouTube page. We have a YouTube page Mm -hmm. where we have the interview tips and we do videos on search assignments as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're actually making a little bit of a studio in my basement with a, you know, with a wall. And we're going to, you know, get a little bit more professional looking because I didn't like how some of the videos I was kind of doing it in here. Yeah. It wasn't the image I wanted. Um, So we I bought some wall panels and setting that up downstairs and we're going to, you know, I already got like, you know, studio lights and all that kind of stuff. So we're, you know, doing that, but yeah, I mean, I'll post getting back to your question there. Um, I'll try to do one, maybe two interview tips a month, you know, and then I'll plug it in at certain times. You know, I use a thing called uh, mm-hmm. uh, social Champ.
1: social um, champ. So it's a social so media scheduling tool. Yes, like-
0: it's exactly okay. like Hootsuite. I found it on a thing called app sumo. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which, you know, uh, I know, you know, Rich uh, Rosen. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, Rich turned me on to AppSumo. I'm like, what the hell's that? And uh, <laughs> I found it on AppSumo and we tested it out, you know, and it was a great price for a lifetime thing. I think it was like 50 bucks or something like that. And, and it works great. I love it.
1: Yeah, the danger with something like AppSumo is for those of us who suffer from shiny object syndrome, it can be dangerous because, like, there's so many different tools oh, and bits of tech that you can, you know, you can spend time playing around with. And also that, you know, it does add up. You end up with all these tools that you really are only using 10% of them or whatever. Oh, God, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, for sure. That's one yeah. thing. Which no, we there's we always a new a- tool. Yeah, you're exactly. absolutely right there one of the things we do in our coaching group is people, we've actually now got a directory. So people, we find out what tools people are using, what their experience has been, you know, what their review or whether they think it's any good, what they would use it for and so on. So that we can kind of, so if someone says, oh, have you heard of this or that? We're able to say, well, actually, yes. And these are the people who use it. And, you know, it seems pop, you know, go and speak to them or whatever. But um, circling back then to your videos, what I love about what you just said, Sean, is you're improving as you go along. So you're just putting videos out there and then you weren't quite happy with the way they turned out. So now you're looking to level up, but so many people wait, they want it to be perfect first. And I used to suffer from this myself, is that, you know, feeling like it has to be perfect. Otherwise you can't do something. And that's kind of a mental shift to, to get over because, then you never start right? right and then you you know putting that content out there, even if it's not super professional, it does still um, get your name out there people get to know like and trust you it shares your personality, it shares your knowledge and um, it doesn't have to be perfect for it to no. actually do its job, which is giving value and building your your brand so I, I like your approach to that. Okay. Um, and uh, how long have you been doing that for?
0: Um, I started doing videos probably five years ago. Um, wow, I, uh, early. I Yeah, I mean, I've had my company nine years. Um, okay. And I started doing it in five years when I hired a social media person um, mm-hmm. back then. And he had kind of a background in video production as well. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to try to do something different. and yeah. I, uh, And I've always been remote. Because my clients are all over the country. And it's yep. like, okay, I don't think it's cool to, okay, yeah, there's my backyard, you know, that kind of thing. So uh <laughs> even though I've done some videos, I just grab my phone and I'll do a, you know, something like a thought that pops in my head, and I'll go outside and and do something, you know, and, and post it. And that's a pretty good <laughs> response. But this this kid had his his name was Joey, and he had some video production experience. And so we started um You know, renting office space. I had, when I started the company, I had an arrangement with Regis. If if you've heard of Regis there. Sure. You know, and so you can rent conference rooms or rent Mm -hmm. an office. So I'm like, okay, let's rent an office for a day or rent a conference room, bring the video stuff and just bang out a boatload of videos in one day. I won't take any calls. I won't do any recruiting, no marketing. It's just a video day. And I'll bang out. I was banging out like a bunch of videos in one day. It's exhausting. It really is. <laughs> um and uh and then he would go and edit them and, and then we kind of post them and all that kind of stuff. And but like I said, I I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was just kind of doing it. And you know, you, you know, throw it out there, see what kind of feedback, take the feedback, improve. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, you know, I, I kind of talk off the cuff and, you know, a lot of times, and I'm sure I probably said something that offended something, someone. It wouldn't be the first time, and, you know, but, it, you know, I had a lot of fun with it and, and I did have some good feedback. So we kept on, kept on doing it.
1: Amazing. And it's a great idea to batch the videos and then you can, you know, um, you can get a lot done in, in a day rather than, trying to do it once a week, which is what I'm doing, trying to do now. And I, I've, my colleague Leanne and I are actually going to do exactly what you suggested, which is, you know, get a video person for a few hours and yep. create a bunch of videos. once. Um, that's great. Fantastic. Um, that's brilliant. And uh, so you've got your podcast, you've got the salary survey, you've got the videos, anything else that you're doing to spread the word?
0: Ugh. Actually trying to make placements, that always helps, yeah, you know, it keeps exactly. the lights on.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you have to remember what we're doing all this for. It's ultimately right. to yeah. uh, build the business and and make placements. So yeah. um, what's your, now you'd said something interesting with, in our earlier correspondence along yeah, the lines of, um, are you treating your time like the money it is worth? Could you elaborate on that for me? Um,
0: you know, I, I wasn't very
1: good at delegating,
0: I'll be honest Mm -hmm. with you. And I, I would try to do everything. No one, I, and I think all of us kind of start out that way. No one can do it as good as I can, you know? And so I've, um, you know, baby steps, you know, kind of going, okay, if I'm billing X and, Mm -hmm. you know, I divide that and okay, my hourly rate is this, I'm an idiot to do you know, something that I can hand off like perfect example. So like research, you know, I'll, I'll do the research. What I, I've used RPOs and, and companies like that and never really had great mm-hmm. results. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're great in certain markets, my market environmental I've been doing this 28 years. I haven't found one that kind of works in my space. um, And, uh, so I'm like, okay, why beat my head and try someone different if I'm getting the same results. So what I'm doing now is I'll put the list together. I know what I'm looking for. You know, I, you know, I'm looking for someone, okay, A, B, C, and D I'll put a list together. So right now I'll send that to my admin and what she does and her name's Tiffany. And what she does is, you know, I want to have, you know, it, the, all the phone numbers. You know, we use extensions like everyone else and other tools and all that. But work, home, cell numbers, emails, work, personal, whatever. Um, if they have a company, a lot of people have, uh, you know, their bios on their company page. You know, we use Crelate as our ATS. There's a mm-hmm. thing you can add, you know, be, you know, uh, you know, websites, and you can add a company page on there. So she uploads all that information. And then obviously I can, which is a very time consuming thing. You are a recruiter. So, you know, that's very time consuming. It's probably the, you know, my least favorite part of the job Uh, that in doing references, which I offshoot it as well to her. Um, And uh, so she does it. It is time consuming. I'm actually looking at, um, I'm interviewing someone in England on Monday who was referred to me, who does that and does it really well. I, I was given her name, uh, by someone I, you know, that, you know, sound, you know, who's used this individual. So I'm going to probably offshoot it off of my assistant so she can do other things and offshoot it. And this person gets something like in 24 hours, you know, that kind of thing. That's all this person does. Uh, and you know, when, you know, if I, what, eight bucks an hour, you know, okay, what's that going to be 20 hours a, 20 hours a week, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'll you know I'll figure that out as we kind of go along. But if I can pay someone eight dollars an hour, who is going to give me? I give them a list of sixty names, and they're going to get me all that information. Where for me, that's going to take me a couple of days, you know, it, at, at the very least. Not counting, I mean, we're working on a number of searches right now. I'm probably working on ten searches at any one time you know, the hours just don't add up. There's just not enough hours. Absolutely.
1: No, yeah. for sure. Is is calculating the value of your time and realizing that, you know, it's not a good use of your time to do certain things where it could be done, you know, to the, just as well by someone else, or even, even if it's not, quite as good as you might do it, then it's still worth the trade-off. And you may find actually people who do it better than you would do it anyway, depending on what oh, the sure. task is. Right. Um, and so what what was your thought process for deciding which sorts of tasks to delegate? Um, which ones do I hate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Um, so, yeah, and which ones I, and but which ones I hate mm. and what is the quickest turnaround? So you know, perfect example at my former company and I'm a full desk recruiter and I was a full desk recruiter, but at the other company is we would have to do references, you know, we do. So for me to do a reference, if you were a reference and I was speaking with you, I'd have my form and I'd be asking questions um, and I'd be writing the form and I'd be putting my chicken scratch and okay, I'd just put a couple of keywords and then I would be able to kind of put that, put that together. I'm on the phone with you half hour 40 minutes let's say yeah getting all that information then essentially what i'm doing is i am taking that form home and then i'm cleaning it up and then i give it to my admin for her to type up mm-hmm. so 20 at a minimum if i'm lucky a 24 hour turnaround mm-hmm. you know and i'm looking at the time it takes me so essentially what i do now is I have my assistant, we get references, and then essentially I give give those names and numbers to my assistant who can type as quickly as you and I are talking. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of told her, you know, here are the questions, she's gotten very good at it. If someone kind of hints that they might be looking or maybe they're looking for a, you know, a, a search partner, she comes back to me, hey, you might want to give Mark right. a call. He was talking about how he's having a tough time finding, finding talent, blah, blah. You might want to give him a call. What, you know, that kind of thing. So then I'll follow back up with you, you know, and, and talk with you and go, Hey, thank you for doing, you know, doing that reference on Susan. You gave us some great feedback. Hopefully this situation is going to work out. I just wanted to introduce myself. You know, I happened to be speaking with Tiffany and she told me the two of you had a great conversation. One of the things you kind of mentioned to her and, and, and passing, you're having a tough time finding talent. I mean, yeah you know, I hope you didn't mind me giving you a call, but you know would you ever be looking for a search partner and I could you know I'm not sure if we're the right one for you but I could tell you a little bit about how we operate and you know what some of our success has been and we've gotten search assignments that way
1: brilliant Sean so look this is gold because um this has always been like taking references is laborious it's time consuming. And, and yet, the potential benefit, apart from delivering a top-notch service for the client, because you're vetting all the candidates very thoroughly, which, let's be honest, most readers don't do that anyway, right? right. So that you're offering a higher level of service, but also there's the potential of those relationships with the referees who could turn into either candidates or clients themselves. Right. And so my concern in delegating it was, oh, I wonder how Tiffany... like. Are we, does then Sean lose the potential value, commercial value of taking those references? But it sounds like you've trained Tiffany what questions to ask and how to to pick up on potential leads that are worth you then following up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, she's done a great job there. And uh, that, you know, that is, I've never liked references. I mean, I do um, them and all that, but I know I'm not the greatest at them. Because I want to get I want to get back on the phone and find people or you know, get jobs right. and all that. I right. it's the ADHD in me. And <laughs> I still I still go, Oh, geez, I'm not on the phone, I'm not banging calls. And I know this industry is not just phone call. Phone calls is still the core, but mm-hmm. outreach is so many different ways now and so forth. And I'm like, I'm on that reference and I'm doing the best job I can, but I'm going, geez, I gotta get started on this. I'm I'm behind, you know, that you know, that kind of thing. So I just outsourced it to Tiff.
1: Fantastic. Those are two two great examples. Any any other things that you found uh, effective to to delegate?
0: Um, I, it's a work in progress, Mark. Yeah. Um, still, you know, I'm still looking I'm still looking mm-hmm. at, at some things. It might be, you know, video production uh, down mm-hmm. the road. I don't know. Uh, you know, but right now I you know it's research you know, yeah. but I'm putting a list together. I'm, I'm going to be looking to delegate that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're actually looking for some recruiters or even a sourcer because yeah. not everyone likes to, you know, not everyone likes to be a market, you know, a full desk recruiter. Some people are better mm-hmm. at marketing or some people are better at recruiting. Yeah. I w- would have no problem hiring someone who just, I like to be a recruiter. You know, I don't like to get job orders. I, and, you know, some people say that. I had a guy who worked with me for like two, three years who was an excellent recruiter. You know, then he got married and, you know, his wife had a trust fund and he wanted to kind of do other things. So, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, I, I would hire a sorcerer because like I said earlier, I, I mean, we're all always looking for good clients and good job orders, but I've never really struggled in that area.
1: Is, you mentioned earlier, Sean, that you had not been, had a satisfactory result from an, a business process offshore, you know, outsourcing right. company offshore. But have you ever tried hiring uh, your own virtual uh, assistant offshore directly rather than through a company?
0: Um, well, the woman I'm talking to about the research is yeah. an individual, um, yes. you know, who has her own little company. Um, and that's all she does. She works, she partners with a few different search firms, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, and, and does that. I'm, I'm assuming I have a video call with her on Monday, but I'm assuming she does other services for different people. Like I said, I'm Mm -hmm. really looking for the research aspect, um, you know do i consider maybe hiring someone like that maybe not this individual but if i get a great result do i consider hiring someone offshore to maybe do candidate outreach i don't know i might be open to that you know yeah. it's you know it, it really depends. it really depends um, but yeah i have um, you know i've used two rpos i don't want to name them because i don't want to necessarily yeah. say anything bad about them but i didn't i just didn't get the results i liked it i was you know, kind of really disappointed, and you know, I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I didn't try. I'm glad I. Tr- I'll try anything once, you know, and stuff. You don't, you don't know unless you try. Um, so uh, it didn't work out. So I moved on.
1: So my coaching clients are getting great results by hiring a. F- most of them, some have hired part-time, but most of them have hired full-time virtual assistants. Uh, A lot of them have been in the Philippines, a couple in South America, a couple in Eastern Europe. But, um, you know, because of the, you know, difference in the exchange rate and the cost of living relative, you know, compared to the US versus the Philippines, then it's very uh, economical to hire someone in the Philippines. You can have a full-time researcher, for example, or a sourcer, Who's just constantly, you know, putting lists of candidates together for you. They could actually do the search if you, now some of them will have recruiting experience. Some, you know, you'll maybe want to train exactly how you do it. And there's going to be a learning curve, of course, just like hiring any new person. Um, But uh, that's something that has been really successful for me. So I would definitely recommend at least investigating that.
0: Actually, I wrote it down. Um, yeah. I got my notepad here and I'm jotting down some things as we're talking. You okay, awesome. me some great little nuggets here. So I really appreciate awesome. it.
1: Since you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you're someone who's interested in personal growth and business improvement. That's something we have in common. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, reading and listening to business books, watching TED Talks. But by far the most important investment I've made in my own development has been working with a coach. It started back in 1999, 2000, when I was working as a recruiter. I hired a coach and he helped me to double my billings in 90 days. It was, it sounds corny, but it was really a life-changing experience. Since then, I've worked with various coaches almost continuously over the years, and it's made a massive difference to my own personal and business success. In fact, that first experience of working with a coach was the catalyst for me ultimately deciding that much as I love recruitment, my true purpose was to become a coach and enable others to achieve their full potential. Fast forward to today, and I work with recruitment business owners to help them escape the feast and famine roller coaster and create consistent, predictable billings. If you'd like to know more, you can apply for a free strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. John, I understand that you have made a shift from contingency to an engaged model. Could you share a little bit about that?
0: Oh, absolutely. So probably for the first 23, give or take years of my career, I was a contingency recruiter. And, and I made a very good living, you know, uh, you know, on that. But I was getting back to, say, the Pinnacle Society when um, – all of a sudden, I was talking to a few people who started talking about, you know, you got to go retained or you got to go engaged. And I'm like, you know how it is? Oh, God, my industry, you know, we what's the first thing a lot of us would probably say when we're thinking, oh, my industry is not that way, you know? <laughs> right. And uh, so it's like, oh, no, forget it. And they're like, you don't know unless you ask. So essentially, I started going to my existing clients and I probably work with 20 to 26 different companies at any one time. Mm -hmm. And I started saying, Hey, we're changing the way we do business. Mm -hmm. And probably 70% of my clients now are engaged. Amazing. That's, that's fantastic. But I didn't like retained. I'll be honest. I didn't like full retainer. I know some people love it. Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I didn't, I wanted to have, I think going back, I think it's gotta, it's gotta be a win-win yeah. And I think, you know, my industry is a little rough around the edges, you know, a little, you know, it, it's, you know, environmental, it's dirt, it's, you know, remediation and engineers and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and geologists. And then all of a sudden I said, okay, it's an engaged model. Okay. If so, this is how this works. Okay. I work at a flat 25% rate that, you know, that's where I work. And so I said, okay, Mark, if you're going to hire my firm, we're talking about a position. What do you think that's going to be? Well, probably about 100000 Okay, our fee is going to be 25000 Mark. Mm-hmm. The engagement is one-third. That's going to be eighty-three thirty-three point thirty-three. That That's an engagement or a deposit, however you want to look at it. And then the remaining balance is due upon completion of the search. And we have some benchmarks in our contract. We have to provide X number of candidates and all that kind of thing in a certain time frame. And, uh, and that's how we work. And, uh, well, you have any flexibility? No, I don't, you know, and I just got a new search with a brand new client in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And from a, I had a hiring authority I'd worked with for 15 plus years. She left and she's hired a number of people through me. She just joined this new company out of Seattle and she brought me on. She had me talk to their corporate HR recruiter. You know, and of course, okay, we want to work at 20 and we want to do contingency. I say, I, you know, I love so and so. I love working with her. I can't do that, you know. And if that's, okay. and I had marketed a candidate as well in, in between that mm-hmm. they said they wanted to see
1: mm-hmm.
0: a PhD level person. And they're like, well, we w- you, you're not going to agree to that. I go, but we want to see so and so. I go, no. I do. I tell her it's probably not going to work. You know, it's not going to happen. And uh, it's all about attitude as well. So, and they agreed to 25 in the engagement as, you know, no hesitation.
1: Fantastic. Um, I want to follow up on this and dig dig in because it's it's, it's a model I really believe in. I'm passionate about it as well. Um, Could you, first of all, explain for people who aren't familiar, what's the difference between engaged versus fully retained? So engaged...
0: Um, engaged would be what I do, okay, a third upfront, remaining balance yeah. upon completion of the search. Um, and that's, you know, in its simplest form. Retainer would be, okay, that same number, the 80, you know, the 100,000. Okay, you're going to pay me 83.33. Mm-hmm. And then the second payment of 83.33 would be 30, 45 days. You determine what that is. Mm-hmm. And then, remaining balance upon completion of the search. I didn't like that. And, and I got kind of soured on it. I worked on a search in California. They paid mm-hmm. me the retainer. They paid me the second payment. And the guy changed the job like three mm-hmm. times. And he goes, well, I'm paid you. I can tell you what I whatever I want. I go, no, you can't. You can't keep on moving the goalposts. <laughs> right. I go, each search is different. So, you know, what do you want? And let's stick to that. And then it was, You know, we were kind of like this a little bit. And then he finally said, okay, here's what I want. And then I filled the job, but I just, I just didn't want to deal with that grief and that headache. And I just, you know, it's a personal preference. I mean, in all honesty, Mm -hmm. you know, I want them to think, I want them to know, Hey, I got, you know, I'm, I'm, I got skin in the game too. I got to perform. Otherwise I don't get the other money and Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel, you know, we've paid Rigsby all this money. We haven't gotten anything. It's, it's got to work both Mm -hmm. ways. And okay, I'm comfortable with that.
1: Fair enough. So the engaged model is a happy medium between the retained and the contingent. Right. And uh so it's it's kind of a nice middle ground. Clients are are often comfortable with it and it's potentially less um, less work for you in the sense that often when you're selling a, a full retained search you're adding more bells and whistles in. There's more, is more onerous. Like there's maybe you're writing up more reports and stuff like that to kind of show extra added value. And um, whereas, and maybe you don't have the appetite for that. So you just want to like, I just want to find great people and present them to my client. Um, and the client doesn't, my clients don't really care about all that other stuff. So this is a nice a nice way of doing it. See, I like to keep things simple too, Mark. I, yeah. I'm not
0: I'm not a techie. I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to... And I even tell people, I'm not going to put reports together. I, mm-hmm. It's just too time-consuming. It's not my style. I'm going to... You tell me what you're looking for. I'll get you the person. Right. You know, I'm not going to send you 10 people. I'll send you three, maybe five. It's a candidate short market. Mm-hmm. You know, and with COVID... It became even shorter now that we're coming out of it, but I used to, I used the analogy, every good candidate, every candidate out there is like a turtle sticking their head out of the shell and looking, looking around and stuff. And then, okay, they're going back in and, you know, you got to really, you got to (laughs) really get that.
1: (laughs) That's a good analogy. So, but not only that, but they've got multiple. Uh, people trying to trying to get that turtle to come out of its shell, right? Yeah, so. and you, you bring up a good point, especially if a firm, mm-hmm. and that's the other reason
0: why I went engaged, is if they've committed to giving me money, they're more apt not to use another agency. Not that I'm afraid yes. of competition or anything, but what happens if you're a recruiter working on the same job I'm working on and we're contingency recruiters, and you're a good recruiter, we're, we're contacting the same people. Right. But what happens there, Mark— you might have a little bit of a different spin on the job than I do, mm-hmm. you know. I I ask, I give my clients a you know a thing to fill out. You know, we give them a white paper, all that kind of stuff. And I might say it one way, you might say it the other, and say I spoke to the, I called this candidate after you had already spoken with him and the candidate goes to me, and I've had this happen. Wow, Sean, that sounds, you know, that sounds really interesting. But I, I spoke with this guy, Mark, in Scotland, and. <laughs> you know, he's worried. He he told me about this job, but he kind of explained it a different way. Do these guys know what they're looking for? And then that candidate kind of, you know, is, is maybe not interested, you know, right. because he, th- he or she thinks the company doesn't know what
1: they're looking for.
0: So you explain it differently than I did.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That happens. Or... They don't recognize it as the same job because often recruiters don't reveal the, you know, the client's name and they say, sure, Sean, you know, I'd be happy to send my resume over. And then the client gets it twice and they think, what is going on here? So that can be a problem as well. So what I'm interested in, Sean, is you've converted 70% of your clients to this model. Um, And I know that's a big fear. That's a reason why some recruiters are reluctant to try it is they're, they're worried about losing business. They think, but Mark, what if I ask for the retainer and then, you know, they, I end up losing the, the business, but you obviously didn't experience that. Could you explain how did you present it in a way that because the the counter argument or the, the objection I get from recruiters when I'm trying to convince them that this is a better way of working is, but Mark, I've already delivered an excellent service without the retainer. So why would they pay me now up front for something that they're already getting without that commitment?
0: Right. So how
1: did you, how did you address that? Well,
0: I did lose clients and I had to get new clients to be honest with you. Um, I did lose a few clients. They're like, Mm -hmm. Sean, I can't do that. Now I do have some clients that are on contingency who Mm -hmm. have worked with me pretty much most of my career. Mm -hmm. They give me most of their stuff. So I'm like, Okay. It, it's really a judgment call, but yeah, I, the clients I did lose, um, I had to go get new clients. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I did lose clients and, you know, but in talking with the clients go, here's why it's a benefit. And, you know, and I would explain, not that I try to put it on myself, all the risk is on, a, on, a, on me, the recruiter as a contingency recruiter. You can close the job. The biggest expense we have is working on searches that go on unfulf- for unfilled, Yes. You know, and so I wanted to reduce that, uh, that pain. Why? And I think I heard it from Danny Cahill or maybe John Bartos, who is another great trainer. Um, I know, John. Yep. Contingency is, the average contingency firm fills maybe 23% of the searches they bring in. Yeah. So we are working our, excuse my French, our asses off (laughs) for... Twenty-five for twenty-five percent success? That's insane. And I and I and and also I never thought of that. And I'm going, oh my God.
1: You know, in other words, you're working five days a week, but you're only getting paid for one or two of those days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So
0: that was the and I tell clients that. I go, Mm -hmm. this is the reason why we're going engaged. And our fill Mm -hmm. rates went. And then our clients were more responsive. They were giving us feedback because they paid us money. Yes. Um, They, I just had a client, a brand new client, send me a whole Excel sheet of people. Yeah, we're looking, here's the people we want, or here's people that we think might be fit. You know, they're partnering with you. It's about partnering. Yes, right. And I use that word a lot when I'm talking to clients. We partner together. You know, I want to be looked at as as a valuable resource that they can continually go to.
1: Absolutely, partnership is a hundred percent. It's such a more f- fulfilling way to work as well when you're treated as a partner and not as a pest, right? Or a sale, a vendor, or a, a, a salesperson, right? So it does change the dynamics of the relationship usually for the for the better. Um, right. You mentioned something about. Co- milestones in your contract that you need to, you know, show them a certain number of candidates or whatever. How, how does that work, Sean? Well, you know, they're
0: going, how do we know you're going to be successful? And okay. uh, I, I, I wish I had a contract in front of me. I think it's like two or three candidates yeah. within 30 days or something like that. Okay. You, know, I, you know, I spoke with people because when I went with it, I'm going... Oh, what if I don't deliver, you know, that kind of thing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if the search is closed out, if you close out the search and you're the client, Mark, and yeah. hey, you know, my colleague had a former colleague. We didn't know they were available. We filled it. And so the engagement is earned. That's ours. And yes. we keep that. We don't apply it to another search or anything like that. Or, and, you know, and our guarantees are replacement guarantees. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm working on a search in California. It doesn't happen often, but I'd place someone in California. It didn't work out. Either they asked if we could extend the guarantee like a month because it, they were on the fence. Some people say, yeah, I look at it this. I did extend it, but mm-hmm. I look at it this way. If the client's saying, Hey, we want to extend the guarantee. If I don't say yes, that mm-hmm. guy's gone, you know, or gal's gone anyway. Right. So I'll say, okay. Did you talk with him? And I've acted as mediator in some cases. Right. That situation didn't work out, and so I'm in, you know, finding a replacement for that person right now. And you
1: gotta, you gotta back it up. And yeah, the but then time, you retain, you retain the client. Assuming it's a good client, you want to work with them again. You keep the relationship. Otherwise, they yeah. go to another recruiter to fill, to backfill the position, and you're, you, you know, you've lost it. So.
0: Mark, there are lots of recruiters out there. You know, we yeah. all think we're. You know, there are a lot of good recruiters out there, a lot of bad recruiters. But you know, I'm not. You know, I'm. You know, I'm not full of myself thinking I'm the best. There are a lot of good recruiters out there, yeah. and people have options.
1: Totally, totally. Um, wow. So, what's uh, when did you make this shift towards the engaged model, Sean?
0: Probably five, six years ago, maybe. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I got the idea, and you know, from a couple of Pinnacle members, and Pinnacle mm-hmm. was a group I, you know, I'd always thought of highly of. I'm not sure if you're. Well, no, you you must know Pinnacle. Yeah, yeah, you I know, I know A Pinnacle, bunch of sure. people. Yeah. And when I went on my own, the one negative, I I always wanted to be part of Pinnacle. My numbers, you know, were there when I was at my previous company. They weren't. They really didn't want to go that direction, so when I started on my own, okay, you're kind of by yourself. You you don't have people to bounce ideas off of, and it was Danny Cahill, you know, who's joking with me at a at a conference. He's going, "How the hell did you get out of your former company? I would have, you know, I, why did they let you leave?" And I go, "Well, I asked, you know, and then we talked about it, and we came to a, you know, came to an arrangement." And but I said. You know, I, you know, and he's like, he, he talked about Pinnacle. And I said, yeah, I, it was my first year back starting my company. And I knew my numbers were going to be soft. And uh, I said, let me get my numbers back up. And I would love to. He goes, yeah, I'll sponsor you. And, you know, and, uh, and it's been a great learning tool. It's been the best peer to peer group I've ever been associated with because everyone's good. Everyone knows what they're doing. You can go to someone Hey, I have this question. Can I bounce? And I've gotten some great tips and it's great when, you know, we'll have some phone calls and people kicking ideas back and forth and all that kind of stuff.
1: Amazing. Yeah. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Speaking of starting your, your own thing. Um, and that was, uh, I, uh, 2012, right? Right. 2012. Okay. So coming up for 10 year anniversary, that's an achievement. Thank you. Um, what what do you feel were some of the mistakes that you made early on that um you could save other people from falling into those same holes? How
0: much time you got?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all in all in all
0: seriousness here, one second here. So, you know, the um you know, some of the things, you know, I you know, I did, you know, it was um we were starting to make money. I should have probably Put more in reserves, you know. I'll be mm. honest, I'll, you know. And so that first year, that second year, a little bit of a roller coaster. We were making placements, but you know, I was like, you know, we were talking about shiny toys a little while ago. Okay, I'm going to get this. Okay, I'm going to get that. I'm going to pay for these vendors a year in advance, you know, instead of, and I'm like, and all of a sudden I'm going, oh, geez okay i'm a little light on reserves and i'm starting a company and all that and that was probably you know uh you know a mistake i learned pretty early on and uh you know and obviously we took care of that and and stuff but that was probably the the biggest thing i would remember starting you know starting uh when i started my company um you know i i used a lot of my own cash i I borrowed a little bit of money as well because I didn't want to blow through all my cash and so forth. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, when starting the company and so forth, um, and probably, you know, the, um, the time commitment and I'm not a nine to five guy by any stretch. Anybody who knows me knows that and such. And, uh, and, uh, you know, probably the other mistake, and this is more from a personal side. I, I was, Probably I was working a lot and, you know, probably not as much, you know, on the family side, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's that's first and foremost, that should be number one. And I wasn't necessarily I was working a lot of hours Um, and my wife stays home. I have three great kids. Um, Awesome. And, you know, we took off yesterday, it was our 32nd anniversary and we decided to go to Rhode Island for a day trip and had a blast and, you know, wow, and all that kind of stuff. No, thank you. Years. Thank
1: you. That's amazing. Um,
0: and you know, that was probably a mistake and, you know, and, you know, we we fixed that as well. And my, my family is very understanding and, you know, and, and all that, but those are probably two of the things that really come to really come to mind you know that were probably mistakes i made early on
1: mm. so uh spending too much money not building the reserve and right. then throwing your like devoting so much into the new business that you didn't have the time or bandwidth for family as much are right. two things looking back that you would do you would do differently i guess
0: yeah i mean i'd still work i'd still be putting in hours. Don't get me wrong. But it was like, I just got, became very tunnel, tunnel, tunnel focused or tunnel vision, whatever the word is there. And, uh, and it was like, okay, everything else is secondary. And that's, that was a, mistake. And like, a, you know, and, uh, you know, and obviously I, you know, mentioned with the reserves, I, I should have been mm. a little, I, I was never a business owner before I was your typical right. seller doer at my previous company.
1: Yeah. I didn't even have
0: different... staff management and that would probably be a, yeah. another mistake. I'm, I wasn't a very good manager, you know, and probably wasn't a good manager to some of the people I hired early on in my career. And I'm sorry about that, but that's how you learn and, and <laughs> grow and so, and yeah.
1: so forth. <laughs> It's interesting. Um, I just uh, recently interviewed a really famous entrepreneur over here called James Kahn. And um, he was, I was asking him, you know, what do you look for as an investor when you're backing someone to start a business? And he said, well, Mark, um, being able to bill is, of course, essential. But so many people go out on their own as good billers, but they have no business skills. And being able to grow a business and manage a business is a whole nother skill set that they've maybe had no exposure to. So that's, that's a learning curve that you need to understand upfront before you get into it. Um, so how did the cash management come back to bite you?
0: Um, well, it was just, you know, we didn't run into like, you know, going, oh, okay, we're closing the doors or anything like that. But, you know, things were getting a little thin. You get a little bit nervous. I mean, what's the, you know, every entrepreneur, you know, it's like a roller coaster. You know, a, yeah. a guy I follow is a guy named Darren Hardy. And, you know, he wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster. And all oh, I was on that, I was on the front seat with that the first, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the first year. I hired a business coach uh, to help me out, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, that, that was really really helpful she was great uh and kind of helping me okay here are the things you got to prioritize on i don't use her anymore uh we're still very very friendly um you know not saying i wouldn't go with another business coach i'm not looking you know i'm you know i was thinking about maybe some uh, like a I'm looking at like a Tony Robbins life coach. I'm looking in, into that. I've always kind of followed Tony and love his yeah, stuff. Yeah, me too. And, and uh, so, I mean, I'm you know looking, uh, you know, looking at that. Uh, you know, um, but you know, it's I didn't have business skills. Um, I hired a bookkeeper who uh, who runs my book, and I meet with her once a week. Perfect. We go through my P and L. We yeah. go through. We go through candidates in the pipeline, you know, uh, okay, which ones look good? And, you know, three months out, we're looking, we're forecasting what our revenues are going to be looking like at, you know, one, two, three months out. Very um, good. That was a great investment I made. I didn't know how to read a P&L statement before. I know how to read one now, you know, and, uh, you know, so I saw where I was shy and not very good. And improve those skills. I'm still nowhere where I want to be. Um, but, uh, you know, I just I I to work It's a
1: lifelong process, right, Sean? So you never stop learning, you're always trying to improve and, and, and right. get better.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell my, I tell my kids that I just took a, I just looked at a area I'm not really strong in, at least I don't feel I'm very strong in is writing. And there's a woman uh, by the name of Henna Pryor who has a course where it's, uh, you know, writing and, uh, you know, communication, whether it's email, texting, you know, I took her course and, uh, you know, it was a very, very good course. And I'm kind of, you know, building up my skills in that area. She does a lot of training with recruiters. She was a, she was a recruiter herself and, oh, uh, yeah, with, uh, you know, with that she's in, yeah, uh, that was another area I thought I could improve on.
1: Amazing. Well, listen, Sean, uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been, oh, I've it really great. enjoyed Chatting, you know, talking shop with you, and um, we've got quite a lot in common. I've got three kids as well, by the way. So, how old are um, they? They are seventeen, thirteen, and ten,
0: almost eleven. So, all right, yeah, mine are twenty three. My boys are twenty three and twenty, right? Twenty three and twenty one, and my daughter is seventeen. So, oh, uh, so we both have a a
1: daughter the same age. Yeah, yeah, that is. uncharted territory for me, Sean. This is, uh, she's like in her final, she's going into her final year of high school. Same thing, um, so yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, Have we can compare that. notes about that offline, but absolutely, um, yeah. Mark, I really, I've really enjoyed,
0: I've really enjoyed this as well. And, and thank you so much. I, I've had a lot of fun with this.
1: Brilliant. Me too. All right. Awesome. I'll see you again. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview, recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the Resilient Recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who've achieved extraordinary things. Specifically, I'm looking for someone with a great story to tell, someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals, and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners. In the words of previous guests, John Coxon and Alex Elliott, I'm looking for someone with humble confidence, they could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast growing firm. Maybe that person is you or maybe it's someone you know. Send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com or feel free to nominate yourself. And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Like Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.